let's crack open a beer and share some thoughts. Welcome to this opinion special where we're looking into the past and exploring the rebirth of Allsop's beers. But Martin, we're not doing this journey alone, are we? Oh, definitely not, Steve. We are very fortunate to have Jamie Allsop and Pete Brown joining us today. Um, Jamie, perhaps you'd like to say a bit more about yourself. Thanks, Martin. Hi, Steve. Um, my name is Jamie Allsop. I'm a member of the Allsop family. I used to brew in Burton. And over the last few years, I've gathered the scattered trademarks of Samuel Allsop and Sons, um, found an Allsop's brewing ledger, obviously read Pete's books, um, and worked with a great team of people to bring Allsop's beer back to life. Thank you very much. And, and Pete, a little bit about how you're involved with Allsop's. Yep, so I'm Pete Brown. I'm a, a, a beer writer, uh, have been for quite a long time now. Uh, in 2007, I wrote a book called Hops and Glory, uh, where I recreated the journey of India Pale Ale and also dug really deep into the history of Allsop's uh, and became a little bit obsessed. So I, well, we'll talk a little bit later about how I and Jamie actually met, but uh, uh, Jamie had uh, a particular interest in talking to me about, um, about getting his trademarks back and, um, and re- re- relaunching the family business. It's a, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you both here. And, um, you know, luckily we will be sampling a couple of the beers as well as we go along. Yes, we will, because Allsops have just recently uh, launched the two new beers. We call them new, but maybe not quite so new as you think to, to, to market. One of them being uh, the Parallel, the other one being the India Parallel. We're lucky enough to be trying them both tonight. Uh, I've got the, the, the Parallel in the glass, so, as, as I believe we all have. So um, should we just like raise a little glass and have a little cheers and, and just have a bit of a taste to start off with? Cheers. Cheers. Well, Jamie, do you want to tell us a little bit about the, the beer before we, we, we give some tasting notes on it, maybe? Um, well, the beer um, is as close as we could get to, to the old um, All Sorts Pale Ale um, that is in the ledger. Um, and um, what, what we did is we gave the, um, I found, well, the, the ledger story in itself is, is quite interesting, but we, um, we found an existing ledger, which we think is the only ledger uh, uh, in existence um, of the old All Sorts recipes and reinterpreted them. The pale ale's got Maris Otter, extra pale, but a Caragold and Chevalier malt. Um, the hops are, the traditional hops are Fuggles, um, but we used a bit of Cascade and Aurora in there. Um, and the mandate was to create a uh, sort of very drinkable, I mean, sessionable, bright, crisp um, pale ale. Um, that in bottle is 4.4% and um, in cask is 4%. Okay, so a very distinctive difference in, in, in the ABVs there. Obviously, uh, aware that the drinker in a pub is looking for a session beer that just sits around that 4% mark and they're more likely to, to go for that than they are anything slightly higher? Exactly that, yeah, yeah. If you look at a lot of the great uh, cascales, uh, quite often they're higher in bottle. Uh, in so particularly if they're if they're if they're not bottle conditioned, they're, they're quite a bit higher in bottle than they are on cask, because cask gives it that extra layer of depth and complexity that you can't replicate in a bottle. So it, so it helps to nudge the ABV uh, in bottle up a little bit to replicate what you get on the bar. Um, also, people prefer a little bit stronger when they're drinking at home com- compared to in the pub. What do you think of the beer, Steve? In your first thoughts. Exactly the same as you. Um, it's it's got all of the characteristics that you'd look for in a in in a cask beer. Um, it's got a little bit uh, a little bit of caramel in 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 there. It's quite sm- sweet, malty flavours. Uh, a little bit of citrus on the finish, and really light, easy bitterness on on the finish as well. That's got that sort of it's that sort of bitter finish that makes you instantly want to dive back in for another sip which is which is a sign of a a really good sessionable beer isn't it is that you want to drink more of it the minute you 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 finish your sip yeah and i mean i imagine that's what uh jamie was aiming for so it's definitely got a very british pale ale feel to it it's not trying to be an american pale ale it's not trying to be anything too modern and fancy it does feel like it's got everything you want in it like i said to be that sessionable cask beer 
I mean, it's it's a pale ale, but it's very much on the more orangey amber sort of uh, profile and colour as well. Um, and like I said, you know, sit a pint of that on the bar in front of the the all sorts hand pool would uh, I think look quite or very attractive actually. So, you know, initial thoughts are that's definitely hitting the mark of what you're aiming for, I'd imagine. Great. Yeah. Well, um, we got the we got Jim Appleby to um, have a look at the recipes and. Um, and you know, Jim was ex Bass and Molson, um, and originally was the interestingly the um, William Worthington's brewery in Burton. Um, and when, when I looked into that, Worthington's started brewing in um, 1744, which was two years um, after Allsops. So if anyone was going to interpret the the ledger in order to get a great pale ale out of out of the ledger, it was it was it was Jim. And um, I'm absolutely delighted with. Um, his recipes to date so he's designed these recipes based on what you said in in your introduction is is the only what you believe to be the only remaining ledger from the original Allsops brewery I, I think so because um the Allsops fact we don't have any ledgers they they kind of got um misplaced and there, apparently there was a flood and a fire and then the old breweries got cleared out and 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 and, and, and we spent a lot of time looking for these ledger and Pete's got a great story of going, going to the archives. So I'll let him tell, but we, we, um, we, in, in, in the beginning of lockdown, we, we sort of searched high and low um, for a ledger and, um, you know, had lots of dead ends. Um, and eventually um, we found one um, beginning of 2020 in a, um, in Leeds, which was, um, I believe is the only one of its type left. So it's sort of like, to me, it's kind of like kind of Gutenberg Bible. It's like this precious book um, that we've got 250 recipes in it. So, um, you know, there's there's a there's a good pipeline um, to, to to go, and 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 it's got it's got the whole range of old all sorts of beers in it. Um, so there's a lot of work to do. I'm delighted to have it. Have you photographed each page just in case it goes missing again? I've stored it in various different places, right? <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a computer, it's like on the cloud. So yeah, um, if, if if I have a fire or flood, we've got backups yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, because that would be gutting, wouldn't it? After all that hard work finding it. Yeah, but it blow. But yeah. what, what is what's this story then, Pete? So when I was writing Hops and Glory, I spent quite a lot of time in the archives at the National Brewery Museum in Burton on Trent, and. Um, and the way that works is they've got file boxes and they don't necessarily know what's in each box, but someone's just kind of sorted it into boxes. I think, I think they've done a lot more work on it now. So you can really, they've got an online database now where you can search the archives fairly closely. But when I did it, it was like, no, there's various boxes of all sorts documents. And one of the main books I've got on my shelf that any beer writer in the UK needs is a book by a guy called Peter Matthias, uh, who was a, a history professor at Cambridge uh, in like the 50s through to the 70s. And he wrote this definitive book, The History of the British Brewing Industry, uh, up to um, 1730 to 1830, 1700 to 1830. That's his book. It's a big, big old tome like this. Uh, and I found this box. I was going through the records. It's folder number, folder number ABC157 slash C all sorts brewing records and i'm like yes i found it i found it i found a recipe that we can recreate the original all sorts ipa from and i spent two hours looking for this box in the in the archives and i found the box and i thought this feels a bit light for a whole bunch of brewing ledgers uh, and i opened the box and there was a sheet of blue note paper in the bottom and it said thank you so much for the loan of the all sorts brewing ledgers i promise i'll return them as soon as i've finished with them peter matthias cambridge university 1969 oh my god no way <laughs> it's just like oh peter matthias you bastard <laughs> where are those damn legends <laughs> daddy passed away about five years ago so there might be an office in cambridge then cambridge university and archive in cambridge university somewhere jamie with these old books that no one knows what they are or what they're doing there sort of almost that moment when you open the box and there's a shine of a light coming from it where you've almost got that <laughs> moment and then it just disappears that's it because that's it. at the time i was looking to recreate uh, an authentic 70 uh, sorry 1820s ipa to take with me to to india uh, and in the end we had to go somewhat later than that we got we got a late 19th century one and that's all documented in your book, isn't it? The, yeah. the, the journey of, of, of you and that beer. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And the many adventures that befell us. <laughs> it really was the furthest from sanity that I've ever 
push to be a writing really um you found myself in several situations where i thought this this is not what i imagined being having having two iranian guards holding uh, ak-47s pointing at my chest uh when i knew that i was in an iranian port without the right documentation to be there uh was was probably one of the most <laughs> nerve-wracking moments of the whole thing going back to the uh, the, the 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 recipe and the heritage and, and presumably jim was trying to get as close to the recipes as per the ledger and we know that obviously nature and things have changed since those yeah. brew, those brews would have been done the first time round. Um, and I noticed that you mentioned Chevalier, and I know that me and Steve have had a few heritage beers in the past where Chevalier malt has been used, especially. Um, and presumably, that's the same. So that's the the the, the parallel. You've you've been tried to do the same with the India parallel, but we'll try soon as well about trying to recreate as closely as possible the recipe. Still, that's uh, is that the ethos of what you're trying to achieve. Yeah, it, it absolutely is, and you picked out Chevalier, completely, you know, correctly. Like that—that's been the problem, malt to use. So we've had to dial back the percentage of Chevalier um, because of, you know, I mean, I think sort of, you know, future-proofing the brew that we won't have to change it in the future. So we have dialed, we have, we have dialed down the percentage, not dramatically, but you know, we have dialed that back a little bit, um, and um, and the other sort of. The other interesting um, part of the recipe design was the yeast. Um, so we found in the National Collection of Yeast Cultures the old Allsop's yeast, which is like, which was amazing. I, mean, I really didn't expect to find that. Um, and we rang them up and um, got a sort of like sort of science fiction package of the yeast propagated and sort of it's come out of like zero degrees cold storage. And um, and we started experimenting with it at the beginning. Um, it's incredibly expensive to use to get yeast out of cold storage. So we've, we've kind of like, we had to dial that back a little bit as well. Um, but we have plans to, to use that in the special editions that we're going to introduce over the coming years. Um, but, you know, just to have the, the chance to, you know, use that is, is, I think it's really special, really, you know, really looking forward to that. Um, and um, the hops, the Belgian Fuggles was a little difficult, so we've had to sort of change it to Fuggles. Um, but but essentially, we've used pretty much the same ingredients as 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 as, as within the ledger. And it was extraordinary how many kind of different ingredients and how the ingredients actually changed from brew to brew sometimes across the whole ledger. There's two hundred, as I mentioned, there's two hundred and fifty brews in it, so there was a little bit of flexibility built in um, to to the way that they did it. Which I suppose is the same now as it was then. I mean, you know, mm. brewers have often spoken about that, about, you know, it does change from one year to the next. The, the the harvest change as well. They then have to maybe do a bit of a balancing act between, say, one hop and another hop to try and still get, as you say, get the beer as close to it is every time you brew it. So, you know, we find these things out and, you know, it turns out that not many things are actually new anyway these days. There's, there's an extra... Uh... Uh, extra difficulty with you with trying to recreate historic recipes uh, as I learned to my cost the first time I tried to recreate uh, a historic IPA recipe I found a, a recipe from the um, India office that they used mandating that both IPA and porter that they wanted brewed for the troops uh, in India it's like you've got to deliver this many barrels to this ship murdered this place in the Thames on the 18th of this month and that kind of thing and they lay out every single aspect of the beer to the width of the bungholes on the barrels it's so precise which is a bit of a gift if you want to kind of recreate the beer and it was something ridiculous like two pounds of hops per barrel and so we followed the recipe I was, I was doing this with Everard's um, so we followed the recipe faithfully and put two pounds of hops per barrel into it and stuff the beer came out green um, and uh, it was it, it blocked the filters. It, it nearly knackered the entire mash tun. Um, when we tasted it, it was completely undrinkable. Um, it was just bitter off the scale. And we eventually had to brew another batch of the same beer with no hops at all, then blend the two. And it was still one of the hoppiest beers you've ever tasted. What I know now is that in 1870, when that recipe was written, these hops had about 3% alpha acid. And today... The same same hops would have about somewhere between thirteen and eighteen percent alpha acid. So, in order to get the same beer, 
you have to use a fraction of the hops or even a completely different variety of hop in order to get the same result because hops have just evolved so much over the last 150 years. That's quite fascinating though, because they're just telling you literally what it was in the weight, the, the, the type of hop and the weight, but that hop is no longer essentially the same hop, is it? No, you can't, you, you can't brew. It's physically impossible to brew a faithful beer to an old recipe like that because the ingredients and the, the nature of the ingredients has changed. It's been selectively bred to be more efficient, to give higher yields. Because uh, that's, what, that's what happens with all crop farming. You know, all the time you're trying to get wheat that gives you more, uh, more kernels and you're trying to get barley that gives you a higher yield and stuff like that. So over 150 years, it changes beyond recognition. It's not something I would have ever thought about, um, but then I don't do, the, I don't, me and Steve don't do the sciencey bits on here. That's why we have people, people like your good selves. Well, I, <laughs> I, I was, I was working with a really, really talented brewer and he hadn't thought about it either until I knackered his brewery. <laughs> <laughs> have you been allowed back to play since? Yes. <laughs> uh, only, off, only after extensive cleaning duties, AP. <laughs> How do you, how do people get hold of these beers? You know, we're talking about one of them. We'll talk about another one. We mentioned they're on cask. How far and wide are you going to be able to get these beers out in bottle on, and on cask? Well, Martin, the, the website um, is going live as we speak, so that's exciting. So there, there's a there's a there's an there's a avenue to buy it directly through the website. It's on Best of British Beers as well, and um, and it will be going into a select. Um, range of pubs around Burton initially um, and building up slowly through distribution across the country. I mean, uh, the, the Allsop family had it for about 200 years um, and then Ein Coop had it for, you know, and Allied had it for about 50. When we launched the pre-order page um, last week so that people could pre-order their beers, um, we put a 95% discount on the beers through a glitch in the website. So I thought I was going to have it for about half an hour. Um, but now we've sorted that glitch out. Um, we've got the beers, the beers will be, you know, and it's literally, we are just at the beginning. So it's, um, I, I'm, I'm concentrating on you know, consistency of beer, consistency of delivery. Um, so it'll be a slow sort of rollout um, into pubs. I mean, hopefully we sell sort of 80% of the beer through, through the pubs um, is, is, is my aim. We spent the last two years in sort of in, in recipe designs. We've taken it really, really slowly so far. We've brewed a dozen times to get the recipes right. So, you know, I mean, I, I really don't want to sort of to ever sort of sell a bad, you know, a bad cask, a bad bottle. So we're taking it, you know, slowly at the beginning. And is there a Allsop's brewery at the moment? Or are you contract brewing these beers initially with a long-term view to, to reopening a, a brewery? Um, we, 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 are, we are brewing um, at a brewery, um, but we're not, we haven't got a sort of, obviously brewing at a brewery, we haven't got a traditional contract arrangement. We've got a partnership agreement with Mark Simonite at the Dead Parrot Brewery in Sheffield. Um, and it's a, it, he, he's brewing um, just Allsop's at the moment. Um, actually, the tap room opens this week. It's um, in Sheffield, a great place um, to go. It'll be two lines of all sops will be on sale there. The the, the, beer, the yeah the beers will be um, on sale at, at the Dead Parrot Brewery, and then eventually we would like to go to um, back to Burton eventually, but you know couldn't find a suitable home for us at the moment. Um, so so the Dead Parrot is where where we're brewing the both beers right now. But, but that, that must obviously be quite important to the, the, the heritage of the beers as well, ultimately being the, the, the goal being to get back to Burton and to, to start recreating the beers where they were first created and originally brewed. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the launch, we're going to launch, you know, there's sort of the we're going to launch in a pub in Burton. Um, and I think, you know, being a spiritual home of all sops, it's really important that we we start there and, and, and uh, as, as, as the centre and then branch out around there and the old all sop pub estate, which was, you know, based in Burton. So it, it it means a lot to me that, you know, Burton is the sort of epicentre and we branch out from there. And you said in your introduction, Jamie, that obviously you are an all sop. So you do have family lineage back to the original brewers. Um, tell us just a little bit about your family history then. How far back does, does that actually go? Well, Samuel Allsop is my um, seventh um, times grandfather. Um, and Benjamin Wilson, um, who bought the Blue Stoops in 1742, 
um, it, obviously my eighth um, times grandfather. And, um, and there's a sort of wonderful cast of um, all sops who, who have been some successful, some, some not so successful. You know, there's been sort of some great successes and some failures along the, along the journey. And, and all sorts has a wonderful story arc of, um, you know, starting at, at Blue Stoops and then, you know, in 1742 and 1806, Napoleonic blockade. But in that period up to then selling an awful lot of parallel into the Baltic states and this wonderful story about Catherine the Great and Peter drinking bumpers of all sorts at their sort of imperial banquets. Um, and, and also sort of taking that journey to sell through Hamburg, going to the Baltic States to sort of open up new trade lines, which, you know, apparently it was a, 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 a perilous journey. Um, and then, you know, through to obviously Samuel, who in 1822, um, with his maltster, um, brewed the first Burton IPA in a teapot. Um, to Henry Allsop, who expanded the business greatly, to Percy who blew it all up spectacularly um so there's been, there's been some pretty pretty interesting characters I mean I think it would make a great film one day but um. <laughs> I mean that's sort of like the official brewery they all sorts have been involved in brewing game even before that haven't they because I mean I read a few bits that you know they could you could almost trace your lineage and the brewing side of it back to the crusades is that true I don't know about that. Um, there was an Allsop brewer. And then there was the second reference in the sort of history books in 1663 in Samuel Pepys's diaries. There's a, the, um, the official, the brewer to Charles II um, was called Allsop. Um, but I can't really find any evidence of that, but I'm not going to sort of say, no, it wasn't anything to do with us. It sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> All adds to the story, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's in the blood. But no, it really started with Benjamin Wilson. And, and it, it, you know, and, and it's sort of quite typically idiosyncratic of Allsops in that even the, you know, the date of the, the, the origin date of Allsops Brewery is sort of shrouded in, in mist, really, because... Um, the, on the title deeds, it's 1742 when the brewery was bought. But in all the old memorabilia, and all of us as all sorts think it was 1730 because that's on all the advertising sort of mirrors and jugs and everything that we've got. You know, it's all sorts since 1730, it's been on everything. But um, when you look into it, it's actually 1742. And anyway, the first all sort was actually 1807. So there is sort of confusion. Um, but Benjamin Wilson was um, Samuel Allsop's grandfather, um, or father-in-law. So it, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting story. I mean, that still takes you back. I mean, that's still a fairly decent lineage and history. And so talking about the one who sort of blew it all up, Percy, was, was this around, was this the, the reason why you ended up getting with I'm Coop? Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Is it due to him? Yeah, I mean, we've got an expression when anyone's sort of, you know, going to spend a bit too much money, don't do a Percy. Um, <laughs> and um, and, and, and what, ha what happened is they installed a huge amount of capacity in the 1860s up to 1880s. And, um, you know, the sales are declining. Um, there was a stock market debut, says an, I um, an IPO, and Samuel Allsop, um, the second Samuel Allsop, slightly over-egged it. And... Um, and you know they overvalued the company um percy then came on board as the chairman and even though there was quite a lot of overcapacity, um he went out to um he traveled around germany and and america and invested in what what was then the largest um lager brewery in the uk and installed this capacity um but no one really wanted to drink lager in those days so even 50 years later, at the consensus of 1936, um, the Allsops um, lager capacity was about 50% of the demand in the UK. And no, no, you know, no one really wanted to drink it. So it actually, actually moved to Arrells um, in, in Scotland. And then, you know, as an aside, went on to become Graham's Golden Lager, Graham's Lager, and then eventually became Skull. Um, so his blowing up of, of um, the kind of finances of Allsops Put the company company into receivership in 1911, and professional management came in. Um, this chap called James Calder, 
um, from Arrows actually, and in 1934 merged all sorts. You know, the, the, the story is that they just had to knock down a brick to merge it within Coop. So um, a brick wall. So um, that's when that's when the merger took place, and then the name got dropped in the all sorts name got dropped in 1959. Um, so yeah, so it's been an interesting interesting story arc of the company. So why choose to bring it back now? And, and, and what was the, the, the process that you went through? Because I think you mentioned uh, again in the opening that you, you had to search for a number of different trademarks to be able to, to, to bring the beer back. Why, why, what, 60, 70 odd years later, did, did you think that now was the right time to, to, to bring back the brand? Well, um, it's a good question. I mean, we've, I've been thinking about it for, you know, thinking about all sorts of beer for, for most of my life. And um, I was, went, I sent Pete an email in about 2018, I think it was, um, to say, can we have a chat about all sorts? I read the book and I saw he had a few trademarks um, and went to go and we, we met in his local and started chatting about it. And um, he'd actually done a few designs for the all sort bottle. And the more we discussed, we sort of realized that, you know, the, the history of all sops and the, you know, what, what we thought the quality of the beers of all sop were too good to be consigned to, to the history books. Um, so we set about um, bringing it back to life. And the first thing was Pete sort of lent me the trademarks that he had. And from those, um, we found out that Carlsberg had one part because obviously Einku allied Carlsberg. And they had some trademarks and were, you know, incredibly nice and um, professional in giving, um, in fact, giving me the trademarks back. Um, and they said that, you know, they continue to say, you know, we want to carry on a conversation with you if you get it up and running. And we're really fantastic about it. Um, and then I looked at where the, you know, the most important trademark was the red hand and, you know, how I was going to get that. Problem was with the red hand is that Carlsberg had lost it about three months before. And it was, um, and Brewdog, Brewdog owned it. And so, you know, I sort of tried to find out what their plans were and found out they'd actually done a design for a can, mentioned it in one of the Brewdog um, sort of like press releases and sort of mini festivals that they do and, um, or press days. And so I thought, well, you know, this, this could be, you know, pretty problematic. And so the project dies here. Um, but in fact, um, Brewdog, um, after a bit of negotiation, were, were really good as well, very professional. Um, and, you know, we found the right price and I, I managed to buy it back off them. And, you know, and, and they were great, to be honest with you about this. So I was, I was really pleased to have the whole suite of trademarks back. Then we went on to sort of trademark some of the other Allsop's, um, um, Allsop's names that I think the, the legal term was retired or something like that, that had died. And, and, and we got those back. So we now have the whole suite um and the ledger um and um and and, and a great place to brew it all so and a full pipeline of recipes <laughs> to get stuck into and, and an Allsop. <laughs> yeah the most the most important thing that none of that none of those other things had we've had an Allsop. yeah Pete, you said earlier on that you became obsessed yeah to a certain degree of all sorts to the to the point of buying some of the trademarks so I was working, when the book came out, I was doing some freelance work with a design agency. And I said, you know what? It's a travesty that Allsop's beer isn't around anymore. It's ridiculous. IPA at that point, well, still is, isn't it? But you know, IPA, the most successful craft beer style in the world. Um, and the first Burton IPA was nowhere to be seen. And, and, and Bass, Bass, you know, AB and Bev have completely screwed up what the, bass and and that wasn't there and after doing this book I, I i lived for three years with these old burton classic ipas and and so all sops was nowhere bass was in a toilet somewhere um worthington was was still going but they were very uh Multicos were very hesitant with how they marketed that they weren't really sure what to do with it even though it was a fantastic beer and i said damn it i'm gonna bring all sops back i'm, I'm gonna relaunch all sops and so the guys in the design agency did some designs for me. I, I got these trademarks because they were lapsed. They hadn't been used. And so I had to pay some legal fees just to kind of take ownership of them. And so then I got some bottle designs. I got some trademarks. And then I, I think I got as far as 
looking for the first order, the minimum order for bottles that I would need. And it was like, right, that'll be 10,000 bottles and it's going to cost you X thousand pounds. And at that point, I remembered that I'm a writer, not an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> and I had the skills to, to create a brewery <laughs> from nothing and no money to invest. Uh, and uh, and I just, I wasn't able to do it. So I just kind of had these trademarks and, and forgot about the whole thing really until until Jamie phoned me up and said you've got some of my trademarks and uh, <laughs> so we, we met and had this chat and I thought fantastic someone's going to do something with them and it's an all sop and it's going to come back so so that's just brilliant. So what input have you had into the, the, the recipe development Pete has it been just your expertise of the work that you've been involved in and, and understanding what went into historical brews? Yeah, I'm. I must. I must confess, compared to some, compared to some beer historians you might speak to, uh, I, I was less interested in the authenticity of the recipes, uh, and more interested. I had a very clear idea how, to the extent that I had any influence, I had a very clear idea of what the beers should be tasting like. Um, that that the IPA should taste like an IPA would have tasted in. In, in the 1830s and 1840s in India. And that's that's not based on recipes. As, as we've already talked about, it's like, even if it was, you're not gonna be able to recreate that recipe with modern ingredients. It was based on written descriptions and eyewitness accounts of what this beer tasted like in India. And it's like, can we make it taste like this person here is describing it? Uh, and, and that's what the IPA should be like. And then, we were looking at the IPA and saying, well, it's gonna be quite strong. It's not gonna, if, you, if you're gonna have a, if you're going to have this as your main flagship beer, you're not going to get people drinking huge volumes of it. So then we said, okay, it kind of needs to launch with the pale ale at the same time. And so that means that the pale ale has to be your volume player. So the pale ale, was, it was very clear. It's like the pale ale has got to be one of those, as you described it, I was so happy to hear you talk about it the way you did, because that was a brief. It was just like, you want someone to pick up a pint of this and go, oh my God, it's gone. Where did, where did that go? I guess I'm going to need another one. Um, and so that to be a, the session beer, the, the volume beer, so that, yeah, I mean, when I'm drinking all sops now at home, it's like three bottles of the pale ale and then one bottle of the, the IPA to finish because that's the one day. The IPA is the one that's demanding your attention and and you're lingering over it. And we'll, we'll talk a bit more about it when we taste it, obviously, but uh, I don't want to jump the gun on it. Uh, but yeah, so it was like kind of, I think, I think this is how the beer should taste. And, and also just providing that thing where IPA now has turned into the opposite of what it was. And, um, you know, 10 years ago, it was all about extreme bitterness. Now it's about no bitterness at all. And, and I felt very strongly that we should be creating some classic British beers. Uh, and I had a hunch just before lockdown, and I think it's turning out to be right, that the, the craft beer market is starting to go back to these more sensible, less less showing off beers the, 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 these decent balanced beers there's a lot of people now making ordinary bitters and best bitters um and and i and i think this kind of this kind of amber colored ipa which 20 years ago this was the color of ipa that's if you bought an ipa it was this color and now it's now it's just not so just kind of getting back to this is the style that i fell in love with this is this is what attracted me to beer is more than just something to drink in the pub but something to get involved in and write about so i'm delighted it's turned out the way it has well i think you've absolutely nailed it because i've definitely jumped the gun on this one and <laughs> yeah thanks, uh, Steve. thanks for waiting. <laughs> i am um, I, I, well i think it probably goes back to what pete was saying there that the, the, the parallel is 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 almost you could almost say it's the original session parallel but session parallels weren't a thing back then they were just called parallels and it is just so drinkable it's it's really easy to drink and i can understand why pete's doing a ratio of three to one when 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 he's drinking them because it's it's that easy to drink so yeah i just naturally moved on to the ipa and put it in the glass and started drinking it while you were talking it's that's really nice i've got nothing to add on the parallel they, the ipa is delicious and straight away you can definitely get the balance in the beer again i still i mean Yes, it's not sessionable in terms of strength at 5.6, the second beer. But in its sessionability in the taste and mouthfeel, again, it's got a great balance between... There are definitely some fruity notes coming, presumably coming from some of the hops, and I'll let you tell us a bit more about what makes up this beer, Jamie. And it has got, it's got a beautiful colour, actually. 
It's got that sort of like orange, orange amber hue to it. It's little bit, maybe a little bit darker than than the pale ale. So there is a difference in that as well visually. Um, but yeah, if this is what they were ending up with way back when, then it weren't it weren't a bad way to 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 get your beer, was it? I mean, uh, yeah, I mean a long journey. Don't get me wrong, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but the end result, and actually, I think that's really important. What you said there is about what was what was the beer like that people tasted say 150 years ago let's recreate that the recipe as you say you will have an understanding of it through the ledgers now you have an understanding of what can go in it we have the science to make some of the adjustments ultimately you're trying to recreate the end result it's not a science project and the end result on the initial sips is is rather tasty actually it's delicious yeah so what go what uh, tell us a bit more about the actual makeup of this beer then jamie well, yeah, thanks. Thanks for that, Martin. Well, it is you, you hit you, you said it. You, the word that we really wanted is um, like balanced. Um, so, you know, we want the malt and the hops to combine um, and, 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 you know, create, create a balance. You know, it's got a sort of it's more complex. There's, there's you know, more malt, more hops in a higher ABV. Um, it, it's darker and clearer than most modern IPAs. Um, the, the malts are again, um, Maris Otter. Um, and Chevalier, um, and, and the hops that we've used, Bramling Cross, um, and Fuggles. So um, you know we've kept a, we've kept a, sorry, and Challenger as well. So we've we've, we've and the, these were the hops that they used um, um, in the old in the old recipe book. So so you know we've with this one we've really kept pretty close to um, the old recipe, uh, admittedly, like it, it probably would have been a little bit stronger. So, you know, six, six and a half, maybe seven, I think the old IPA was that possibly, but, um, you know, bringing it down to 5.6 in a bottle, 5%, um, in cask. It puts me in mind, and this is meant completely as a compliment of, um, Givinda from Cheshire Brew House, because I think partly because of Chevalier malt as well, but there is definitely a sort of a, an orange sort of peel to it, feel to it. And it's got, it's got a lovely balanced bitterness at the end. It's bitter and dry. Yeah. And again, mm. it makes you want to come in for more, but it's definitely sucking a bit more of the moisture out of your mouth at the same time as well. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what it's put me in mind of. And, you know, anyone who remembers our shows when we've had Givinda on before, me and Steve are both massive fans of that. Um, and that does come in that bit higher. Mm. I mean, Govinda's six, six or seven, Steve? Is it five, is it, nine? I think it's six, in the sixes, yeah. so it's a little bit shorter. So again, on, you've made the difference between the bottle version and the cask version as well. So the cask, you said, is at 5%, yeah. which, you know, you'll get that bit of up, uptick in the mouthfeel and, and the extra layers through the cask anyway. And presumably if you're having it on tap in Sheffield, both of the pints have been served with sparklers anyway. So there's definitely gonna there's definitely gonna be some added layers and lacing going on there. Uh, for, for me, it's it's interesting that you, you talk about the hops in it there, and, and and Bramling Cross always presents itself to me as being quite a kind of earthy, fruitiness to it. And and that's what I pick up on the tail end of this, and that then leads into that deliciously dry bit of finish that you get on it and yeah even even at 5.6 percent this is this is a little bit on the dangerously drinkable side of, of things five percent on cask you you could be in trouble after a few of these i think because i don't think you'd, you'd realize what you were drinking no it's been it's been described as dangerously drinkable on the on the website and that's a description that i'm I'm particularly fond of for the, for the <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't blame you. Man. It, it is. I mean, you know, you say you've got a ledger with 200. Is it 250 different recipes or is it variations on certain recipes? No, you're quite right. It's variations of in small variations of 250 and, and individual recipes. It's got all it's got all the old Allsop's uh, classics in it. But I, I haven't got, gone through and actually marked exactly the, the, the standalone recipes. That, but it's got all of them in there. And obviously you started off by making, a, and you, I think you've sort of made the point more than once in different ways about you've been wanting to get the consistency, the quality for these two initial beers as part of the launch of it. And But you did mention a pipeline. So yeah, in that pipeline, is there beers that you're definitely going to do, but is there any beers you'd love to do but maybe haven't quite reached the pipeline stage? Is there any, any little gems in there 
very clever question to, to, to make me sort of say what we're going to have the special editions that I'm trying not to mention. But I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what we're doing. We, we're, 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 um, we're launching the lager next year. Um, you know, Percy's lager, which is, which is really exciting. Cause again, um, that's got a fantastic story to it. And, um, and there's some old Allsop's favorites, you know, that, that of course we're going to, we're working on and we'll be releasing um one thing that i i, I shouldn't mention but any, but it's in it's an interesting point is next year is the 200th anniversary of the invention of burton ipa um so there might be something coming out um at some point next year um using the old yeast and a, you know a high abv and um a really kind of really old-fashioned Special edition Burton IP. I don't know though, but I mean, it would make sense, wouldn't it? I'm, 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 I'm sure you do know, <laughs> <laughs> but you're just you're just not at liberty to say just yet. Well, but is there going to be a uh, all sorts? Is there? A, I mean, because obviously a lot of the history with Burton and with all sorts is very much on the the lighter beers. Even the lager would have been obviously the lighter style. Is there any dark beers that might might come out at some point? Eventually, definitely, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'm really really keen to to for the dark beers um and um and there's a you know there's some fantastic designs and labels that have been done um you know old labels um we've done some preliminary work on on, on, you know on the pipeline so yeah we're gonna we're definitely going to um you know release all sorts best beers um as time goes by so so this is quite it feels like you've got in your head jamie it's quite it feels like a long term so it's not um some people might think Maybe it's a bit gimmicky. We'll just bring out these two beers. Here's here's the bottles. You can get it in cask with you. This feels like a very much a long term project plan for you. It really is a long term project. I want to bring all sorts back into sort of the centre of British family brewing, and there's a sort of community aspect to that as well. Um, I'm in no rush. I don't want to, you know, one bad pint is a nightmare. Um, and um, I want to do everything authentically, properly, um, and you know, make the best beer that we possibly can do. And as I say, I mean, you know, I'm not really don't want to have another 95% discount moment. So we're all going to do it, you know, we're going to do it slowly. The, the family motto is hasten slowly. Um, and Samuel said um, um, that he would, you know, he would rather do um, a little amount of good business than a lot of bad business. And, um, and I, I really sort of want that to be sort of the ethos of, of all sops. As, as a, I mean, that's, uh, I mean, it that, that does sound good. And, and Pete, are you in this for the for the long term? Given your your obsession, uh, yeah. Uh, Jamie was kind enough to give me a, a a stake in the business in return for my trademarks and my advice. And I'm kind of, I'm trying to be the, I'm trying to be the brand. The, the, I, I can, I'm going to be a pain in the ass, so Jamie doesn't have to be. <laughs> Uh, in terms of being the stickler for historical accuracy and things like that, you know, it's uh, it's, it's it's very tempting to say things like the return of the first ever IPA. It's like no, it's not the first IPA. It's the first Burton IPA and, and things like that. So, so and I'm just um, so, so I'm I'm not day to day involved, but I'm I'm kind of an advisor on it. So unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to write very much about it because I don't I try not to cross my my wires. Uh, in, uh, or if I do write about it, it's going to have a massive disclaimer across the top saying I have an interest in this company. Uh, read read into that what you will, but but it's just a great it's great to see it from this from this side of the fence. You know, um, I've done a lot of consultancy in the industry before, but but this feels personal. Um, and with, with the design, I, you know, I, I had some old design contacts and I got them to do uh, the designs and stuff. And I'm, God, delighted that that worked out as well as it did because, you, yeah, Jamie, you want to use these mates of mine. It's like, thank goodness it worked, you know. Silas and, and Alec, Silas Amos and Alec, are absolutely brilliant at the design. And they took the old, you know, the racetrack design and, and gave it that sort of, you know, modern feel, but kept the kind of the historic components like, you know, brewed expressly from uh, um, home consumption on the top of the racetrack. And then on the pump clip, it says um, brewed expressly for alehouse consumption. And then there's the Arctic ale brewed expressly for Arctic consumption. And all these little quirks of all sorts with essentially the, the red hand itself. It's a very, very quirky um, um, trademark to have that all sorts have been using since sort of the 1850s or possibly earlier than that, maybe 18, 1840s, late 1840s. Um, which which 
you know, looking through the old archives was, um, you know, they used a hand on the side of, a, of an inn to signify that there was fresh beer within. So, you know, the, I, li I like to think that the Allsop's hand is a sign of fresh beer and, um, and that, that's why they used it. Probably they were just rushed into it because Bass had the red triangle and they needed to find something quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the inn story is, um, is better. It's very, it's very distinctive, though. And you, you, mean, you said that effectively the brewing had stopped by the late eight, 1950s. But somehow that red hand seems familiar to me. What, yeah, yeah. Um, I kept it on. The Allied de Mech actually changed it into a, a gold hand. Um, and then, um, then the, it got brought back. Well, the Samuel Allsop Brewery Company actually dropped the hand completely. But it's, um, you have a hand sort of, yeah, it's, it's on so much um, sort of brewing memorabilia, isn't it, about Red Hand, that it does feel, you see it around. Well, this is it. So you can see that End Coop carried on using the hand symbol quite a long time after they dropped the Allsop's name. So the trademark itself was still worth something to them, even when they didn't really want the name of their great previous rivals to be, to be used before. So, uh, yeah, it carried on quite late. Uh, so I think certainly it was still around, Actually, Jamie, you'll, you'll correct me on this, but I seem to remember it. Well, the thing is also, it, 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 with pub memorabilia being the way it is, um, even after it was phased out commercially, you'd still see mirrors, pub mirrors, breweriana, all, all ashtrays, all that kind of stuff with it on, yeah. The, the, the branding on the bottles is striking, though, is, isn't it? It's, I think you said there, Martin, it's, it, it really pops out. The colours really pop out. But it's in a way that you look at the branding and, and you can tell there's something historic about it, but it's also quite modern at the same time. There's, there's a great balance there. And even down to, like, the little touches like the, the feel of the label, it's, it's got that kind of tactile feel to it. It's not a smooth label. You can tell you've you've thought about every part of of, of what this beer is going to look like and and also taste like. Well, thanks. Well, yeah, it took about two years to get that right. Um, well, not really. it took two years thinking about because it, it it was such a joy. We gave the this um huge amount of labels, you know, historic like going back as I said, so such a long period of time, and just sort of handed over this great big folder and sort of what do you think of all of this. <laughs> You know, so um, they spent quite a lot of time sifting through it and just taking out the best components and putting it in. Um, but we wanted we wanted a nod back to the past, but not to be sort of too old worldy kind of thing. If if only you you you'd had someone involved that had just spent a lot of time researching and writing a book about branding, that would have been really helpful, wouldn't it? <laughs> it, it just didn't quite work out for me in, in time to put this design into the book. Um, but but I, I spoke to Alec Alec who did. Is a lettering artist who kind of led the design. I spoke to him about various other projects he's worked on for for my beer by design book now available through Camera Books, and uh, he uh, it's fascinating listening to him. I mean, when he would you know you have these Zoom this is all during lockdown you have these Zoom meetings. So Alec puts his presentation up on the screen and says, but before I show you the design, I just want to talk through my process about how I took the old lettering, retraced it, uh, computerized it, made that into a new font and the reasons behind these different things that I did. And you'd think something like that would be really boring. And, and he would talk for half an hour and you're just absolutely fascinated by what he's done when he shows you the little tricks, exactly how you said. It's like, yeah, it's meant to look old fashioned, but it's also got modern ticks to it that you don't even notice unless you're uh, you know a, a lettering a font aficionado and the work he did is he's done other projects in the industry but but he's he's phenomenal at what he does and this is his passion and that that passion is really infectious and it's and it, it's there on these labels it's just it's just such a it was a joy to to see him do it actually it does come out i think i think both you and steve are right about how it looks it somehow managed to again a bit like both the beers, it managed to strike stru struck a balance. Um, and, and going back to the beer, I mean, I've almost finished my IPA. Steve's probably on a third third drink already, for all I know tonight, given the pace he's going at. But the best beer, taking all of that aside, all the time it's been spent, the actual output, which is what we were talking about earlier, Pete, is really good. So you know, we were lucky enough that you sent us the beers in a, in a lovely presentation box, some nice postcards, some nice pictures. Ultimately, it's got to be what comes out of the bottle. And, you know, both of these beers, yeah, I, I so want to try these beers on cask. You know, that, that for me is like almost a must now. It's, it's on that must-do list. I haven't actually got much of the IPA left 
anyway. And I haven't got much else to add. It's superbly drinkable. And that dangerously drinkable phrase is very apt for it. Right. What did you, what, any final thoughts for you, Steve, on the beer? It's uh, it's just really delicious. And as you say, it's it's very, very drinkable as well. And go, going back a little bit to, to, to what Pete was saying as well, it is, it's so refreshing um, to drink an IPA that isn't trying to label itself as east coast west coast no coast it's it's just a, a straight up india parallel with really good ingre- ingredients and a lot of attention to detail in terms of what the output of it is and yeah i mean you know long live the english ipa i, I would say if, if this is what we're going to get more of this now yeah i, I could agree more and it, it has it has definitely got very much a english british feel to the beer I think the ingredients you described, Jamie, in it. And I know that Brambling Cross is a couple of my home brewer friends. They're massive fans of the Brambling Cross hop. It's definitely one of their favourites that they use a lot. And that fruity, earthy notes that Steve talked about, I think works perfectly in this beer. It's just, I said, it's the dryness at the end. It's just superb. It's just got such a lovely feel to it. And I'm glad we took it out of the fridge a few minutes before we cracked it open. So it feels like I've got that initial cellar temperature coming up for room temperature now and I'm getting everything i want from it as it stands right now so you've only got the the, the parallel and the india parallel there they're, they're what you're launching with and and as you said jamie they're now available on the on the website for for purchase yes they're available on the website as of tonight actually and um and through best best of british beer um we will be bringing them to independent bottle shops and to pubs um you know as soon as practically possible um, but the website is the primary place to buy allsops.com. It's a place to buy great stuff. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes to, to where people can find and buy these beers and try them for themselves. We'll also put a link in the show notes to all of the Allsop social media so people can follow what's going on with the beers and, and your continued journey to bring in the, the, the brand and the beers back to life. Um, Pete, we'll also put a, a link in for your many published work um we'll probably just put a link to your website and people can find them from there to 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 be honest to to be honest with you it has been great that you've um both been able to give up some time uh to join us and chat to us about uh the all sops beers and and what is i think certainly from my point of view uh a very exciting i want to call it a project but i know that's not the right word but it's 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 very exciting in, in terms of what you're doing now and what's potentially to come in the future Thanks so much, Steve, for that. For that, yeah, it's. Um, I think we're all. It's a great team that we've we've got together um, through through design, sales, strategy, and brewing, of course. And um, and I'm you know looking forward to growing um, our offering and 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 all stops over time. Well, I feel like we're in at the start, uh, not the start of the journey, given this started quite a while for at least one of you, uh, if not both of you. Um, but for me and St- for Steve and I, I think we'll keep our eye open. Um, the future releases for sure for sure because based on these two i'm very curious to see what comes next so again i can only echo what steve said so thank you very much for sharing both your time and the beers with us it's so great to see your reaction to them it's really lovely thanks martin thank you steve brilliant and and hopefully some of our listeners will will, will try the beers now and we'll get some feedback from from our listeners as well that we'll be able to share with you so good luck with, with, with everything and hopefully we can maybe do a little bit of a revisit in 18 months two years time to see how you've progressed